Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are aimed at interrupting the constant conflict between guilt and forgiveness, perfectionism and self-acceptance. Sometimes this conflict can feel like a Marvel comic with good versus evil, and you aren't sure which side you're actually on. Have you ever questioned who's carrying this bottomless guilt or who's striving for these unreachable heights? You are. Great. Now we're face to face with our nemesis. The only thing left is the battle to see who comes out on top. That does seem like the obvious blockbuster outcome. But what about taking another route? Letting go. Seeking forgiveness and self-acceptance. Breaking the conflict and choosing peace. Well, that may not make it to the box office, but a meaningful self-help guide is worth far more. Let's start by learning a little more about guilt from goodtherapy.com. Guilt is a feeling people typically have after doing something wrong, intentionally or accidentally. A person's sense of guilt usually relates to their moral code. Guilt isn't necessarily bad. Sometimes it's even productive. Feeling bad after making a mistake can lead to change, such as an apology or decision to make different choices in the future. A guilty pleasure can describe something harmless a person enjoys, even if they feel they shouldn't or are embarrassed about their tastes. But guilt is sometimes unhelpful. It can cause physical symptoms, self-doubt, decreased self-esteem, and shame. It can be difficult to overcome these feelings, especially in the case of chronic guilt. But it is possible, especially with help. If you're struggling with feelings of guilt, contact a qualified counselor who can help you get to the root of these feelings, understand why they persist, and help you address them. Doing so can prevent them from affecting you negatively. It isn't always easy to understand what guilt is. In fact, guilt and shame are often confused with each other. Guilt describes a sense of regret or responsibility that relates to actions taken. People may feel guilt over things they actually did wrong, things they believe were their fault, or things they had no responsibility for. Survivor's guilt, for example, can affect people who survived tragedies when many others died. People tend to only feel guilty over actions they see as bad or wrong. A person who believes they're entitled to a higher wage may steal small amounts of money from their boss without ever feeling guilty. But a person who finds a wallet and keeps the money inside without making any effort to find out who the owner is may feel guilty for months or even years if they believe the right thing to do would have been to turn in the wallet. Some people experience chronic guilt, which can lead to feelings of inadequacy. This type of guilt can lead to destructive actions instead of positive change. People might also manipulate others with what's known as a guilt trip by using a person's guilty feelings as a tool to them to do what they want. Someone who feels guilty about something they did might take steps to correct their mistake, apologize, or otherwise make amends. 
This usually causes feelings of guilt to decrease. But shame, which describes a regret or sense of responsibility that relates to the self, can be more difficult to address. It's not always easy to reduce feelings of shame, especially shame that isn't fully understood. People sometimes feel ashamed of some part of themselves without knowing why. A person might also feel shame when other people know about actions they feel guilty over. Shame can cause people to feel unworthy or somehow inadequate. It may lead to isolation, acts of self-punishment, or other potentially harmful behaviors. Guilt is a conditioned emotion. In other words, people are conditioned. They learn to feel guilty. Certain factors make it more likely a person experiences chronic or excessive guilt. These factors might include their culture, family, or religious upbringing. If parents consistently make a child feel guilty or consistently withhold praise, for example, the child may come to feel that nothing they do is ever good enough. This can lead to a guilt complex. People who struggle to overcome feelings of chronic guilt may have a higher risk for depression, anxiety, or other mental health concerns. People who have mental health issues may in turn become overwhelmed by guilty feelings about their mental state or related behaviors. A person with depression who self-isolates may feel guilty for shutting out their friends or be unable to help doing so, for example. Guilt that relates to past mistakes or failures can set a person up for continued struggles. Sometimes, guilt can also keep a person from having fulfilling relationships with others. Research connecting guilt and psychology doesn't always agree. Some studies have found that guilt may help protect people from emotional distress. Others suggest guilt, especially excessive guilt, contributes to emotional and mental distress. In general, there are three different types of guilt. Reactive guilt. Reactive guilt happens when a person believes they have acted against either their own personal beliefs or what is morally good or the standard society has for acceptable behavior. Anticipatory guilt. This guilt is the result of thinking about acting against personal moral standards or standards of society. A person may choose not to take a certain action because they know it's wrong or believe it may hurt others. Existential guilt. This guilt can be more complicated. Existential guilt can describe a person's feelings for general injustice or the idea that life isn't fair. It can also describe the guilt a person feels from the negative impact they may have on the lives of others. Some researchers further divide guilt into two categories. Maladaptive guilt. This kind of guilt often has a negative impact on life. This guilt might include chronic guilt, guilt that relates to shame and other guilt that leads to mental or emotional distress. Adaptive or prosocial guilt. This kind of guilt is believed to be helpful as it relates to a person's understanding of wrongdoing and responsibility. A number of sources can contribute to guilt.
effect of guilt is a guilt complex. This is persistent guilt over harm a person believes they have caused. They may not have done anything wrong, but they live in fear they will or believe they are always making mistakes and can't do anything right. A guilt complex can be associated with anxiety and shame. It may relate to a person's childhood. When parents are overly disapproving or withhold praise, children may frequently feel guilty for what they see as their badness. People with unresolved guilt might feel irritable or always on edge. They may be overly clingy or apologetic. Feelings of guilt also manifest as physical symptoms. These might include insomnia or trouble sleeping, upset stomach, nausea, or other digestive issues, stomach pain, muscle tension, head pain, tearfulness. Generally addressing the guilt will help resolve these symptoms. A therapist told me one time that the guilt I was feeling was not actually guilt, but sadness. There was a period in my life where I wasn't as present as I should have or looking back wanted to be. As a result, I missed some precious time with my children that I can never get back. Those moments are lost forever, and for that, I was feeling guilty. She said the feeling is sadness. And it's okay to invite in sadness and feel all the feelings of loss. But then ask it to go. It's time to move on. She was right. I can revisit those memories and feel remorse today, but I don't stay there. There are far too many memories I have left to make. And if I spend more precious time lost in the past, I'm going to miss those as well. For me, it's a choice to forgive and move forward. Kinder Cherry guides us with taking the steps to forgive yourself, found at verywellmind.com. Forgiveness is often defined as a deliberate decision to let go of feelings of anger, resentment, and retribution towards someone who you believe has wronged you. However, while you may be quite generous in your ability to forgive others, you may be much harder on yourself. Everyone makes mistakes, but learning how to learn from those errors, let go, move on, and forgive yourself is important for your mental health and well-being. Self-forgiveness is not about letting yourself off the hook, nor is it a sign of weakness. The act of forgiveness, whether you're forgiving yourself or someone who has wronged you, does not suggest that you're condoning the behavior. Forgiveness means that you accept the behavior, you accept what has happened, and you're willing to move past it and move on with your life without ruminating over past events that cannot be changed. One therapeutic approach to self-forgiveness suggests that four key actions can be helpful. The four R's of self-forgiveness. Responsibility, remorse, restoration, and renewal. Forgiving yourself is about more than just putting the past behind you and moving on. It's about accepting what has happened and showing compassion to yourself. Facing what you've done or what has happened is the first step towards self-forgiveness. It's also the hardest step. If you've been making excuses, rationalizing, or justifying your actions in order to make them seem acceptable, 
it's time to face up and accept what you've done. By taking responsibility and accepting that you have engaged in actions that have hurt others, you can avoid negative emotions such as excessive regret and guilt. As a result of taking responsibility, you may experience a range of negative feelings, including guilt and shame. When you've done something wrong, it's completely normal, even healthy, to feel guilty about it. These feelings of guilt and remorse can serve as a springboard to positive behavior change. While guilt implies that you're a good person who did something bad, shame makes you see yourself as a bad person. This can bring up feelings of worthlessness, which left unresolved can lead to addiction, depression, and aggression. Understand that making mistakes that you feel guilty about does not make you a bad person or undermine your intrinsic value. Making amends is an important part of forgiveness, even when the person you're forgiving is yourself. Just as you might not forgive someone else until they've made it up to you in some way, forgiving yourself is more likely to stick when you feel like you've earned it. One way to move past your guilt is to take action to rectify your mistakes. Apologize if it's called for and look for ways that you can make it up to whomever you've hurt. It may seem as if this portion of the process benefits only the person you've harmed, but there's something in it for you as well. Fixing your mistakes means you'll never have to wonder if you could have done more. Everyone makes mistakes and has things for which they feel sorry for or regretful. Falling into the trap of rumination, self-hatred, or even pity can be damaging and make it difficult to maintain your self-esteem and motivation. Forgiving yourself often requires finding a way to learn from the experience and grow as a person. To do this, you need to understand why you behaved the way you did and why you feel guilty. What steps you can take to prevent the same behaviors again in the future? Yes, you might have messed up, but it was a learning experience that can help you make better choices in the future. While self-forgiveness is a powerful practice, it's important to recognize that this model is not intended for people who unfairly blame themselves for something they aren't responsible for. People who have suffered abuse, trauma, or loss, for example, may feel shame and guilt even though they had no control. This can be particularly true when people feel they should have been able to predict and therefore avoid a negative situation. Here are the benefits of self-forgiveness. Mental health. Letting go and offering your self-forgiveness can help boost your feelings of wellness and improve your image of yourself. Numerous studies have demonstrated that when people practice self-forgiveness, they experience lower levels of depression and anxiety. Similarly, self-compassion is associated with higher levels of success, productivity, focus, and concentration. Physical health. The act of forgiveness can also positively impact your physical health. Research shows that forgiveness can improve cholesterol levels, reduce bodily pain and blood pressure, and lower your risk of heart attack. Relationships. Having a compassionate and forgiving attitude towards yourself is also critical 
for successful relationships. Being able to forge close emotional bonds with other people is important, but so is the ability to repair those bonds when they become fraught or damaged. One study found that both parties benefit from the offending partner showing self-forgiveness. Specifically, both partners tended to feel more relationship satisfaction and have fewer negative thoughts about each other as a result of genuine self-forgiveness. Challenges. So what is it that makes self-forgiveness so difficult at times? Why do people often continue to punish and berate themselves over relatively minor mistakes? Engaging in actions that are not in alignment with our own values and self-beliefs can lead to feelings of guilt and regret, or worse, self-loathing. Some people are just naturally more prone to rumination, which can make it easier to dwell on negative feelings. The fact that self-forgiveness involves acknowledging wrongdoing and admitting that you might need to change can make the process more challenging. Lastly, people who are not yet ready to change may find it harder to truly forgive themselves. Instead of admitting they might need to change, they might engage in a sort of pseudo-self-forgiveness by simply overlooking or excusing their behavior. While self-forgiveness is generally thought of as a positive action that can help restore the sense of self, there's also research indicating that it can sometimes have a detrimental effect. The major pitfall of self-forgiveness is that it can sometimes reduce empathy for those who have been hurt by your actions. Although self-forgiveness often relieves feelings of guilt, there are times this inward focus may make it more difficult to identify with others. You can avoid this by consciously practicing empathy with those who have been affected by your actions. Forgiving people who have hurt you can be challenging, but forgiving yourself can be just as difficult. It's important to remember that learning how to forgive yourself is not a one-size-fits-all. It's never simple or easy, but... Working on this form of self-compassion can convey a number of possible health benefits. In addition to reducing stress, depression, and anxiety, self-forgiveness can have a positive effect on your physical health and relationships. sound like I have this self-help thing down pat. You must never let anything get to you. You're always so quick with a positive. I mean, really, you're an encouragementologist for goodness sakes. To that I say, thank you. But in reality, I don't have it all figured out. I'm hard on myself. My mouth might offer words of encouragement and self-affirmations, but my head is telling me that I don't measure up. It doesn't always win. My conflict is that my professional side is very confident and self-assured. I know who I am and what I'm capable of. My personal side, however, has insecurities that linger and are just under the surface. In the right situation, they can break through and cause self-doubt and self-criticism. It's this side that I need to explore and find compassion for. 
Liliana Hogan explains the difference between self-forgiveness and self-compassion in her article, How to Forgive Yourself, found at thewebmd.com. It is easy to mistake self-forgiveness with self-compassion. Self-compassion is different but similar to self-forgiveness. The three hallmarks of self-compassion are kindness to yourself. Life is not perfect, so why do we have to be? When the going gets tough and things do not go to plan, people who practice self-compassion remember this. They acknowledge the inevitability of imperfection and are caring and loving to themselves. Shared humanity. Everyone experiences setbacks in life. Everyone will feel difficult emotions or have to problem solve as unexpected situations arise. Giving yourself compassion means not thinking that you're the only person in the world who experiences these things. Clarity and mindfulness. Having negative emotions can make people feel uncomfortable. Commonly, they will either exaggerate or downplay these emotions. Being able to clearly sit with these emotions and see them for what they are is a sign of self-compassion. Self-compassion is different than self-forgiveness in that self-forgiveness is a way of reconciling the way that you see yourself after you experience guilt, shame, and disappointment. These feelings happen when you do something that makes you question the image that you have of yourself. Therefore, it is a facet of self-compassion. You may at times do things that challenge your own self-perception, and it can be hard to reconcile with yourself when you do something that negatively affects you or others. So here are some tips for how you can internally practice self-forgiveness. Think back. Think back to a time in your life when you felt safe and cared about someone. Remember who that is? It could be a friend, relative, teacher, mentor, spiritual figure, or pet. Visualize the feeling of being around them and being protected. Let yourself feel safe. Then together with your protector, list all of your positive qualities. Remember the event. Next, acknowledge the facts surrounding what you need to forgive yourself for. Remember back to the specific event and how it made you feel. Notice what is hard to face. Make a list of what happened and sort it all into three different categories. Moral faults, unskillfulness, and everything else. Moral faults call for guilt and remorse, and unskillfulness requires correction, like committing to never doing a certain act again. Don't avoid guilt. Not feeling great about doing something bad is healthy and natural. If we wipe away the bad feelings of doing bad, what are we left with? However, there is a difference between shame and guilt. Shame comes with defensive feelings like denial, avoidance, and violence. It's not helpful to tell yourself that you're a bad person at your core and feel guilty. By doing so, you may not think that you can change. Feeling guilt over your actions, however, can help you not repeat them. Take responsibility. You cannot forgive yourself if you don't own up to what you did, both to yourself and to the person that you've wronged. 
Let them know that you take accountability for what you did and let yourself know this too. Learn to fully accept that you did whatever you did. Try to repair the damage. It may be hard for you to truly forgive yourself if you feel you haven't done what you need to do to make amends. Perhaps this means offering financial aid, repairing the property, or simply saying sorry to someone. Have empathy for more than yourself. It has been found that people have trouble with self-forgiveness when they also have empathy with the other party involved. It's normal for people to struggle with this tension. However, without having empathy for both yourself and the other person, this self-forgiveness can be empty and not mean much. So, are you ready for another conflict? Perfectionism versus self-acceptance. See if this sounds like you. Type A personality, goal-driven, super motivated, always striving for better, on a laser-focused journey of self-discovery. So how do you pump the brakes before that person is striving for perfect? I mean, where's the threshold? Should you push the bar higher in order to achieve more? Hmm, um, I'm asking for a friend. Dr. Eileen Strauss-Cohen offers how to let go of the need to be perfect, found at psychologytoday.com. Anne Lamott said, Perfectionism is the voice of the oppressor, the enemy of the people. It will keep you cramped and insane your whole life. You find yourself asking, When will what I do be enough? You wonder, how do I know if I'm truly happy or just settling to be comfortable? You catch yourself constantly striving for more. More money, more stuff, more beauty, more brains, more awards. But no matter how much you get, you never know if what you desire will help you become your best self or just drive you further down the dissatisfying road of perfectionism. I know the journey of perfectionism far too well. Every once in a while, when I least expect it, my own perfectionistic motivations creep up on me. They come into play most often when I'm making decisions, working, or interacting with others. It's that feeling you get when you expect things of yourself that you'd never expect from others. It's working yourself to exhaustion in hopes that you'll feel whole, complete, worthy. It's basing your self-worth on external accomplishments, feeling like you have something to prove all the time. It's piling on the emotions of guilt, burnout, and self-hate. It's always coloring inside the lines and giving yourself the metaphorical whip if you screw up. Perfectionism lives and breathes in your fear of making a mistake. When you're afraid of what might happen, you don't always make the best possible choices. Instead, you limit your options because you believe you'll be unable to handle the outcomes of your choices if they happen to be negative. Allowing perfectionism to run the show is like being on a hamster wheel. You just keep going and going and going, even after you've reached your original goal. You increase the stakes every time so that when you do accomplish something, you wonder if you could have done better. Feeling and thinking this way makes perfect sense because our culture puts a ton of pressure on us to be perfect. 
We're made to feel as if there's something wrong with us if we're still single by a certain age. Don't make a certain amount of money. Don't have a big social media following. Or don't look a certain way. In the midst of all that pressure, it's easy to forget all the great, unique things about ourselves. Perfectionism stays alive when you look for other people to give you worth, relying on their opinions to give you a sense of your value. It's deceptive because other people can't make you feel like enough. That's a decision you have to make for yourself. What's enough and not enough and how far you need to go are more effective when they're determined by your inner values. Needing and lacking approval and acceptance will inevitably lead you to feel that what you do is never enough. You'll spend your life looking to do better and more. Knowing who you are and what you value is vital. Once you have that down, you can make the decision to be enough in every situation you face. And in time, each situation will serve as a way to guide you toward your true self and free you from the need to be perfect. So how do I let go of perfectionism and have a strong sense of self? Change your mindset. Our mindset contains our ideas and views about life, which come from our previous experiences and perceptions of the world. How we look at the world influences our experience in it. Our perception becomes our reality. Creating a good enough mindset that isn't filled with unrealistic expectations will help you cultivate a sense of well-being. Therefore, the first step to feeling like you're enough is changing your mindset and old beliefs about yourself derived from past experiences of what's expected of you. The rest is a process of changing the idea that you need to work harder for approval and using that energy to just be enough for yourself. Build self-reliance. You aren't born with self-reliance. You gain it through trials and errors while you go through your life making your own decisions. I started to develop confidence when I decided to think for myself and move forward with my decisions. People who act with self-reliance feel more in control of their environment, and feeling this way is an important ingredient of well-being. When what you do is in line with what you believe, your self-esteem and happiness grow. Being self-reliant means doing things for yourself. The more you do for yourself, the better you feel. The more you feel, the more confident you'll become and the less compelled you'll feel to be perfect all the time. Learn to let go. Try to let go of whatever it is that's holding you back from accepting who you are you'll probably realize that you aren't what other people say you are. You aren't your pain, your past, or your emotions. It's usually negative ideas about ourselves and hurtful self-talk that get in the way of who we really want to be and push us to never make any mistakes. Make your own decisions. Start making your own decisions. It isn't necessary to share every problem you encounter with everyone in your life. People do this to get advice, be told what they need to do, and pass their anxiety on to others. As you become more aware of what you want, you'll start knowing the next step to take in your life 
and you'll recognize that nobody else has the answers. People who don't feel good enough always look to others to make decisions for them. You know just as much as everyone else. In fact, you know more than others do about what's right for you. Remember, you can't hate your way into accepting yourself. Convincing yourself of what a failure you are will never make any situation better. And repeating to yourself that you'll never live up to your potential certainly won't lead you to reach it. It's important for you to remember that you are enough, just as you are. And I promise, the more you practice it, the more you'll believe it. Make peace with the now, before you feel satisfied with the later. We can't feel totally satisfied with where we're going until we accept, acknowledge, and appreciate where we are. Make peace with where you are, and your journey towards something new will feel much more peaceful, rewarding, and satisfying. One of the things that has worked for me is the aerial view. I know I talk about it a lot, but it's made a big impact on my life, so I have to keep sharing. So many times we only see what's right in front of us today, the rest of today, this month, or maybe this quarter. It's difficult to visualize what all we've already accomplished and how much more lies ahead of us. So to do this exercise, I take a mental mountain climb so that I can look down on my life. I'm able to fly along my timeline, hovering at any one point for a bit of context. I can zoom out to see it all within a big circle, not unlike looking down on the world below. Being at that height gives me a new perspective. Problems seem small, and opportunities vast. Give it a try. Dr. Shauna Waters believes the path of self-acceptance is paved through daily practice found at BetterUp.com. A lack of self-acceptance can hold you back in every area of your life. It affects your confidence and can prevent you from reaching your full potential. People with high self-acceptance are more resilient to criticism. They understand that it's okay to accept themselves while also working for continuous self-improvement. But what is self-acceptance really? And why are some people more self-accepting than others? How can it help you? And what can you do to cultivate more of it? Well, let's find out. Self-acceptance is the act of accepting yourself and all your personality traits exactly as they are. You accept them no matter whether they're positive or negative. This includes your physical and mental attributes. Self-acceptance means recognizing that your value goes beyond your personal attributes and actions. This is sometimes known as radical self-acceptance. Self-acceptance gives you more confidence in yourself and makes you less vulnerable to criticism. It means to deeply and totally accept every aspect of yourself unconditionally and without exception. To achieve this, you must learn to accept the parts of yourself you consider negative or undesirable. It's also important to acknowledge and celebrate your positive qualities and achievements, 
reviewing your goals and your progress, it reminds you of your strengths. This is why so many of us struggle with self-acceptance. We tend to hide, neglect, and reject the part of ourselves we consider unacceptable. We would rather change them than accept them. Although it might seem counterintuitive, total self-acceptance can actually help us change the aspects of ourselves that we might be less than fond of. Having an awareness of our limitations is the first step on the path of personal growth and is a sign of emotional intelligence. Self-acceptance doesn't just mean accepting our negative qualities and giving up on changing them. On the contrary, it means being aware of our weaknesses without having any emotional attachment to them. This self-awareness can help us improve our behavior and build better habits. But there are other ways that low self-acceptance affects your daily life, work, relationships, and well-being. Here are some examples. Self-acceptance helps you control your emotions. A lack of self-acceptance can affect the part of your brain responsible for controlling your emotions. This can lead to mental imbalance and emotional outbursts as a result of elevated anxiety, stress, or anger. A lack of self-acceptance limits your capacity for happiness. It also affects your psychological and emotional well-being, keeps you focused on the negative aspects of yourself, and these negative thoughts create negative emotions. By contrast, high levels of self-acceptance are linked to more positive emotions and greater psychological well-being. Self-acceptance can boost your mood and shield you from the effects of stress and depression. Self-acceptance helps you forgive yourself. Learning to accept yourself helps you be less self-critical. It helps you create a more positive, compassionate, and balanced view of yourself. Self-acceptance gives you more self-confidence. It can give you more confidence in yourself by helping you understand that your perceived negative qualities don't define you or your worth. When you are confident, you're more likely to take action in spite of your fears. In contrast, a lack of self-acceptance can hold you back and stop you from going after your dreams. Self-acceptance helps you realize that failure doesn't define you and is always a learning opportunity on the path to success. Self-acceptance leads to self-compassion. According to self-compassion researcher Kristen Neff, self-compassion is more important for our mental and emotional well-being than self-esteem. She describes self-compassion as giving yourself the same kindness and care you would give to a good friend. And anyone who struggles to accept themselves will agree that we tend to be our own worst enemies. Self-acceptance helps you to be yourself. When you lack this, you're constantly trying to hide, censor, or repress your true self. This can leave you feeling drained. Self-acceptance can help you show up more authentically without worrying about others' judgments of you. Essentially, when you accept yourself, you feel free to be your whole self. 
you want to share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, tap out of the fight as you strive for a better vantage point. Take a look at the bigger picture. Your conflict is with yourself and forgiveness and self-acceptance are a gift waiting for you to accept. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear. That's when I found you. How I wound up here.